Spanning the nerd world and feeding your fandom. Crash landed. From comics to video games. From the cinematic universe to television. Connecting you to the biggest stars in the industry. Something out there had discovered us. It's time for the Down and Nerdy Podcast. Here's your host, James Witham. Adding a little warfare to your holiday season. It's episode 294 of the Down and Nerdy Podcast. I'm James Witham. No, I'm not talking about that deal that you didn't get because somebody elbowed you on Black Friday. No, no, no. I'm talking about Call of Duty Modern Warfare, which is out on your favorite console now. I'm going to be talking to Alex himself. Chad Michael Collins returning to the show this week. One of the most talked about characters from the game and we will try and get as much info as you as we can for you about that from Chad. Not only that, you know the expanse is coming back to Amazon Prime Video. Gonna give my spoiler free review of what I've seen so far of season four. And man, there were so many trailers this week. I mean you're talking about Black Widow. No Time to Die, James Bond movie. We'll get into all of that, plus a, an amazing new deal from our sponsor this week, Audible, that you're going to want to hear all about. But let's start things off with comics. It's what we're reading next on the Down and Nerdy Podcast. This is writer and artist Gabriel Rodriguez, and you're listening to the Down and Nerdy Podcast. Whether it's a turn of the page or a click of the mouse, whatever you're reading on, it's time for what we're reading. And we could really go, go. For some turtle power this week. Yep, that's right. Finally, it is here. The comic crossover between Mighty Morphin Power Rangers and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Number one from Boom Studios. You know that Ryan Parrott is doing the writing because you heard him talk about it here on the podcast. Simone Dumeo on the illustrations. Walter Biamonte and Igor Monti on the colors. And Ed Dukeshire on the letters. Now, at first, things seem, you know, pretty simple. You've got the Rangers fighting their bad guys. you got the Turtles fighting their bad guys. It's just two teams of heroes fighting bad guys and being, you know, kind of who they are. But it's who's missing from the party that is the key to this whole story. Basically, someone's crossed over to the other side and is now with the bad guys. And it probably won't surprise you who that is if you've been reading either comic run from the past year. Now, there's not much really more I can say beyond that without spoiling anything. What I will say is that these two worlds really don't seem forced together at all. That was one thing that I was kind of concerned about. When And any anytime you have a crossover, you get concerned about that, right? It, you definitely need answers as to why this connection led to this crossover. And I know that seems cryptic and weird, but again, I don't want to spoil this book for you. They show you why this crossover is occurring, but... And, and it's because of a person. But we need to know why this person is there. And it can't be as simple as the answer that's actually given in the issue. I mean, the, the question is asked by one of the characters. And and the, the person in question answers it. It's like, it can't be that simple. And, by the way, how did you get there, too, by the way? So, there, there are some things that need to be kind of hashed out as far as that goes. But it's... It, I don't want you to think that I'm saying this as a criticism because I'm absolutely not. What I'm saying is is that we need to know why this is, and it can't be as simple and as cut and dry as all that. But i got to tell you, this first issue, if you like action, there's a ton of it in this first issue. Whether it's you know in, in the realm of a crossover or not, there's plenty of action 
in this first issue. So you won't be wanting for that at all, for sure. There's a there's a whole bunch of it. And I will say, too, that the art in this book is amazing. Ryan Parrott, was when we talked about that, teased as much, and it was absolutely delivered. As a matter of fact, yes, you do get to see Shredder in this issue, and Shredder looks friggin' phenomenal. I mean, as ominous as I've seen Shredder, as far as art is art style is concerned, in a comic in a while. I mean, this is a shredder that I looked at and I was like, damn, I don't want to mess with that dude. And you already kind of feel like that with shredder anyway, but I, this shredder I saw just jumped out at me big time. I really like the design of the turtles in this issue too as well. I mean, the Power Rangers, you, you know, you're, we're kind of used to how they look in the Boom Studios comics, and it's very much in line with that. But the Turtles, i got to tell you, I love the design of the Turtles in this. And as we head to the 100th issue of Turtles from IDW, Boom Studios definitely does justice to the Turtles as well. This is a pull for me, man. I, w- I wanted to love this. I absolutely did love this. The writing, I mean, for both the Rangers and and the Turtles, really spot on. I think Ryan Parrott captures both worlds perfectly, and I can't wait to see how they blend together more in this upcoming issue. War is once again hitting the comics realm, and this time it's a Serpent's War, and Conan's Serpent's War number one is going to be dealing with that from Marvel Comics. Jim Zub writing this one, Scott Eaton on the pencils, Scott Hanna on the in the on the inks, excuse me, Frank Diarmada on the colors, VC's Travis Lanham on the letters. Now, there's this very special sequence for the James Allison character in this. Vanessa Del Rey and Jean-Francois Bellevue do the art for that. And Carlos Pacheco, Anake, and Diarmada do the cover art as well. Now that we've gotten that out of the way. Speaking of the cover, you can see that we're not just talking about Conan here. We're also talking about we're, we're talking about more than Conan. It's also Moon Knight. You've got Solomon Kane is there and Dark Agnes as well. Now, the vast majority of this issue is kind of introducing us to each of these characters and discussing kind of how they merge into the larger stories that is kind of centered around this James Allison character. I really can't tell you much about James Allison without spoiling anything, but a very, very interesting type of character that, that I hope we get to learn more about in the future issues as well. And there's, there's, we definitely find out who James Allison is or has been. I guess that's a little bit of a tease without actually spoiling anything for you. But there's also more to it than that. There's, there's a reason that we're using this Allison character, and that's because, minor spoiler here, but it is in the description. It's on Marvel's website, so I don't feel too bad. The Serpent God set is actually what's forced this kind of, group together and that's you know this this god wants to bring about darkness you know what you know sometimes that's just what evildoers want and you got to go through across space and time to bring this group together because this is the group that is going to take down this god and sort of save the world and save time and space as it were the the fact that these particular characters are chosen though i thought was pretty interesting but i do like that we get explanations as we kind of go as to Here's why I think this person is good for this. Here's why this person, I think this person is good for this. Now, how will they work together? And that is one of the big questions that we're going to have coming up for the next issue anyway. I will admit that the story did feel a bit unbalanced at times. That could be because we're really constantly jumping 
in the timeline and going to different places and areas and it and it kind of make you made you go okay where are we again just every now and then but it, it wasn't bad it certainly wasn't to the point where I had no idea what was going on I certainly knew what was going on and there were and it told you basically where you were and when it was it's hard to it it was hard for me to get into it right away I will admit that a little bit. Now, the way the purpose of each character is rationalized is is actually pretty interesting. And I really do like this James Allison character and how he sort of fits into the whole mold of the story. It adds a really a, a lot of mystery and intrigue to this entire story that has almost nothing to do with the fact that some of the characters that you know and love are kind of meeting for the first time, too. I love the art in this book as well. It's very vibrant, very detailed, and I got to tell you that the team of Scott and Scott do a very, very good job bringing these characters to life. This is another poll for me, and I'm glad that this is a Conan story that you can kind of jump into without having to have read the current run that's going on now since Conan was brought back to Marvel Comics. You could jump right in and enjoy the story right away, so I really, really love that. That's going to do for what we're reading. Up next, we're going to dive into the world of The Expanse. First season from Amazon will be its fourth season, and we'll preview it with no spoilers next on the Down and Nerdy Podcast. This is Adi Shankar, and I'm on the Down and Nerdy Podcast. It's yet another case of a show that was saved by a streaming service, and it should be no surprise that The Expanse was saved by Amazon, given that, you know, Jeff Bezos really loves the Expanse books, and now the show is on Amazon. Season 4 premieres on December the 13th on Amazon Prime Video, but got to see the first several episodes of the show early, so I thought I'd kind of give you my thoughts on what I saw, and it really does pick up right where Season 3 left off. And if you haven't seen Season 3, so I guess there will be a little bit of a spoiler, just a few spoilers as far as that's concerned, but I, yeah, you know, Holden has got a little bit of company with him in this season, and that is going to really help the mystery sort of unpack itself as far as what's going on here. So the refugee crisis also that we see in season three really does carry over into season four as well, and this isn't really a spoiler, so I will talk about this because I've already talked it as far as San Diego Comic-Con was concerned is, you know, I had that Amazon uh, Prime Video experience at Comic-Con and we got to see a little bit of the planet that we're going to be dealing with in Season 4 and that is Illus. And we know that the Belters have kind of colonized there because they needed a place to go. So it almost creates like a, like, like a, a space version of the Oklahoma land rush in a certain, ex- certain extent where they needed a place to go and they just went. This wasn't like government sanctioned or anything. They basically said, look, we're going here, and that's that. So there's some tensions that need to be eased there, and that's when, the, you know, Crew the Rocinante is kind of going down there to kind of mediate everything that's going on in, in, in this thing. But then, of course, once they get there, there is certainly more to it than that, and that is when the relationship between Holden and Miller, who's kind of stuck in Holden's head, really starts to unpack itself. So that much I can tell you without really spoiling anything. I will say this, though. It's really interesting. I think that one of the most interesting characters 
as far as the arc is concerned in this new season for me is Naomi. And I think that Naomi's story is going to play going to be really really huge this season because let's face it and and this is maybe a little bit of a spoiler. So I will I will give you a little bit of a warning on that too I guess. I know I said no spoilers, but this is one thing that I thought was really really cool moment and that is that you know with Naomi being a belter, she's going to be on you know basically dry land. She's going to be stepping foot on a planet and that's never happened before. Imagine never having seen a sky before. You know, we look up and see the sky all the time. We kind of take it for granted, right? She's doing this for the first time ever because she's never been on a friggin' planet before. How crazy is that to say out loud? So, so to be able to see that, and we also get to see what she has to go through to be able to do that, and that also ends up being a part of the story as well. So Dominique Tripper, Tipper does a, a fantastic job in these first few episodes alone. I can tell you that much right now as we see her step foot on Illus. It really does. There, There's still the political tensions that you've come to love on The Expanse are still there. But because the world is now expanded after what happened in season three, it's really kind of they've kind of backed off on that a little bit. Although I will say that the, that what's going on with with the ring You'll know what I'm talking about when you see this season, but that's that's all I can really say. I don't want, really want to spoil any more than that. What what we see with the ring and how that's sort of policed is really interesting and a bit shocking in a way as well and how that's dealt with. And that's part of the problem that's, that's making the tensions not really go away. I, that much I will tell you. And, and how belters are viewed, that hasn't really changed. And the fact that you've still got this kind of uneasy relationship between Earth and Mars kind of hasn't changed at all either. Either, But we do have Ava Sarala settling into her new role as well and seems pretty comfortable in it, as a matter of fact. Another character from the Rossi that I, that I think has an interesting story arc in this new season is Amos. We get to see Amos... I mean, it's still Amos being Amos, but still we get to see Amos in a little bit of a different light. Some some stuff that maybe you don't expect to see Amos being a part of is going to be a part of this season. And maybe you're saying, what what could you possibly be talking about? Trust me, when you see it, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. So there's going to be some stuff from Amos that, that you're probably not expecting that you're going to be seeing in this season, but but again, what we're seeing is is that you go, and it's classic expanse too. You're sending them somewhere for one thing, and then this whole other thing ends up popping up, and it ends up making the story even more, even larger than it already is, and it and it takes some time to get there too. You're not going to get there right away, but you will get there eventually. That 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 much I can tell you. And it's just, I got to tell you, I don't know if it's just because it's on Amazon or I'm just not remembering things clearly from the last season. But the visuals, as far as the effects go, and just the the, the pop that the show has visually, seems like it's been stepped up in this season on Amazon. So Amazon's certainly shown the love in that regard and certainly has shelled out some cash to make this season of The Expanse look really, really gorgeous. I mean, especially in the sequences 
where he's talking about what's going on with Holden and Miller. And that is some trippy stuff right there, and they spared no expense for it. And I think that they did a really good job with Illis as well. But as far as some of the new characters are concerned, there's one in particular that you'll probably recognize, and that is Byrne Gorman's character of Adolphus Murtry. You are not going to like this dude. I can tell you that right now, and he is going to be causing some major problems. And On one hand, you go, okay, I can see why he's upset, and you'll find out exactly why he's upset in the first few episodes. I can tell you that much right now. But he doesn't. Uh, he does not help matters. Let's just put it that way. He is not. He's he's not necessarily stirring the pot. He's taking the pot and he's smashing it to pieces. That's what. That's exactly what he's doing. So you're not gonna like this dude at all. I'm not sure. No matter what faction that you side with, you're not gonna like this dude. That much I can tell you. But and. We also get to see, I think Bobby's arc is really interesting in this season, too. And, and again, I, I can't really say anything about Bobby's arc without spoiling anything. So I'm, I'm sorry. I just don't want to do it for you because, I mean, we still have to wait until December the 13th so, till we can see these episodes. But how she's portrayed in this season and, and the choices that she's made for herself and, and continues to make for herself really, really interesting in, in how that's driving her character forward and seeing who she interacts with and how that goes is also very, very interesting. And I've, again, I've only seen up to episode six, but I think what we're going to see beyond that is going to even expand more for her character. So a lot of interesting stuff going on for this season of the expanse. I got to tell you, I think I'm enjoying this season more than I've enjoyed in pre in previous seasons. I don't know if it's because it just seems more visually striking or if it's because they've expanded the world so much and added so much intrigue into it. Not that it wasn't interesting before, but now we're branching out into a different kind of storytelling. It feels like a different story with the same characters, but still manages to keep the same feel that you know and love about The Expanse. So I'm really, really digging and looking forward to what we're getting in this season four of The Expanse. We already know there's going to be a season five, too, so you can kind of take a deep breath and know that the story will be expanded beyond this point but yes you will definitely want to make sure you're watching the expanse season four when it hits amazon prime video on december the 13th this week the down and nerdy podcast is brought to you by audible maybe you did some traveling for thanksgiving and you didn't have anything to entertain you while you were on the plane or in the car you're thinking oh i'm so bored what do i do well that is why before you start your traveling for the christmas season you need to make sure you sign up for audible because it is the perfect way for you to have something to listen to, no matter where you are, to keep yourself entertained. As a matter of fact, right now is the best time to be able to do that. You can get three months of Audible for just $6.95 a month, more than half off the regular price. And you could still get your one free audiobook and two free Audible Originals when you go to audible.com slash D-N-P-O-D or you text D-N-P-O-D to 500 500. There is a huge selection to choose from. I mean, speaking of The Expanse, I think, you know, this is when I'm going to actually jump into The Expanse novels, finally. James S.A. Corey. I'm going to start with Leviathan Wakes and work my way through there. What better way to do that than with Audible? I could be in the car and listening to it. I could be, you know, working out, listening to it, traveling, listening to it. It doesn't matter where I am because I could pick up right where I left off 
on any device. That is another beautiful thing about Audible. There's no trying to remember where you were. Audible helps you pick up right where you left off. And another thing, if you don't like what you're listening to, there's a great listen guarantee. You can swap it out. Plus, once you get your audiobooks on Audible, they are yours to keep forever. And there's free apps that you can use. Audible makes it so easy to take what you want with you on the go. So make sure you're going to audible.com slash dnpod or you're texting dnpod to 500-500 to get three months of Audible for $6.95 a month for the first three months right now for the holidays and one free audiobook and two Audible originals as well. Because holiday travel can be hard, but you can make it easier on yourself with Audible. That's going to do it for my spoiler-free review of The Expanse Season 4 on Amazon Prime Video. Up next, there's a lot of trailers that came out this week, and we'll deal with them in nerd news next on the Down and Nerdy Podcast. Hey guys, this is Chloe Bennett from Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., and you're listening to the Down and Nerdy Podcast. And the trailers just keep on coming. It's time for nerd news. And yeah, we've got a lot of them this week. Let's start, as a matter of fact, with the Black Widow movie trailer, which we finally got. We, we've been waiting for the Natasha Romanoff solo epic. And we finally have a first trailer. Of course, the movie going to be coming out on May 1st of 2020. And, you know, we get to see a lot of action. We get to see... We get to see Natasha, you know, head back home, for lack of a better term. And we get to see her family. We get to see Yelena. We get to see Red Guardian. We get to see Taskmaster and stuff stuff like that. But at the same time, I don't know. I, I want to believe that this will just be a standalone Black Widow movie, right? You know, this is a way to ride the character off into the sunset, so to speak. But it just feels like... Marvel doesn't do standalone, you know, even when you feel like they kind of should, they don't really know how to do that, it seems like. It's like you can't just give a character their due and be done with it. It has to be, you know, as part of some larger story. And, you know, obviously where this is on the timeline, I guess you you could kind of do that and maybe you couldn't, but it just feels like... I don't know. I want this to be a standalone movie, I guess, and I, I think that's what I'm what I'm most upset about is that I don't think that's what we're gonna get. I mean, Natasha's obviously going off to handle some some business, some unfinished business. You want it to just be that, let it be that, and and move on. But I can't help but wonder if it's gonna focus on the larger it's all connected universe, which now granted has been working very, very well for Marvel, don't get me wrong, but at the same time you look at, you know, William Hurt's character, Thaddeus Ross, it's like, okay, which kind of, which Ross are we seeing here? Are we seeing, you know, Incredible Hulk Ross? Are we seeing a brand new Ross? And what's the deal with, I mean, he looks pretty de-aged, and does that make sense? Or, I am i don't know, that could be nitpicking on my part, but that's just one thing where it's like, is that completely necessary? Is that something that we needed to do? Is this an unnecessary, like, thing to try and throw me off of trying to figure out what this movie's about, I think we kind of know what it's about, right? And that is, you know, Scarlett Johansson's Black Widow dealing with her past, so to speak. And I don't know, man. It just seems like... It, I know it's between Civil War and Infinity War at the same time. And, and we already know the bits and pieces of those stories that we need to know. So 
I don't know why this would have to service the larger connected universe, but I just feel like it's gonna. Although, I'm just glad that this movie's finally happening. This is something that's been long overdue. And I hope that it's as amazing as it could be. And I hope it's a little bit a little bit more on the edgy side than what we've gotten from Marvel movies recently. Because I think that that's something... That, it feels like the movie that could be so different in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And I hope it's given the chance to be just that. We'll just have to wait and see. Speaking of different, we could have a different 007 in the No Time to Die trailer was released this past week. And doesn't necessarily confirm that. Actually, it doesn't necessarily confirm anything. We get to see this movie on April the 10th from MGM and Universal. Now, we do see a couple of things. We do get to see James Bond, who's sort of, it looks like he's coming out of retirement because Felix Leiter says, hey, got one more thing. I need your help with this one. Need you to come back. Okay, so he decides to come back. But he finds out that there's another double O in the ranks, and that is Lashana Lynch's Nomi. Now, not actually called 007. That is the rumor, though, is that not only is she going to be the new 007, but that she is now the future of the 007 franchise. And, you know, again, doesn't bother me whatsoever. 007 has always been a code code name. It has always been a a rank-and-file type of position. It is not a person. It is a thing. So... Lashana Lynch absolutely can be 007. Can we just put that to rest right now? Do we even need to bring this up a thousand times as we're looking towards the the future of these movies? Right, so I'm just going to let it stay at that. But then also, you you know, with this being the 25th, 25th anniversary edition of Bond, with the 25th movie, I should say, and, you know, where it's being shot, all of these Dr. No references. The other thing we're trying to figure out in this trailer is, is Remy Malik Safin actually Dr. No? And it's, for me, it's Dr. I don't know, quite frankly. I'm not sure that that's where they're going to go with this. I think that that's the obvious choice that seems like the thing that, again, it's one of those things that do you want him to be Dr. No, or would you rather have more of a different and more original villain for what's going to be Daniel Craig's final Bond movie. I guess that I'm fine either way, really, but I think that as long as Remy Malik's awesome, that's all that really matters to me, and I think he will be. I think he's one of those guys that was born to play a Bond villain for a lot of reasons, and I think that he could absolutely pull this off. <clears throat> I just don't know if I need him to be Dr. No for this to be a satisfying conclusion to these movies or to for this landmark 25th movie. I don't think it's absolutely necessary. I, I can understand if they do it. If they don't do it, I'm fine as well. You see some, again, amazing action. It's exactly what you'd expect from a James Bond movie. The car with the, with the guns and the headlights, and he's pulling donuts and shooting at bad guys at the same time. I'm like, yes, that is James Bond. That is what I want to see in a James Bond movie. There's some crazy stunts. Some beautiful women. I mean, this feels like another trademark James Bond movie, and then we could possibly sing the, see the future with Nomi and Lashana Lynch, and I think that would be amazing as well. This seems like it's set up to be a farewell, doesn't it, for James Bond? It really feels like this is set up, from what I've seen in this first trailer, to be a way to ride this character out again into the sunset. Like I was saying before with, with the Black Widow character, this seems like, and I don't know that they're going to like kill him off necessarily, 
He already tried to retire and and run off with a woman that didn't obviously didn't work out very well for him. So I'm not sure he would try to go that route again. But again, I don't necessarily think they have to kill the character off either. Although if they did, that would make some finality, wouldn't it? And you could certainly have to bring in a new double O at that point. So maybe that is something that they will end up doing. So then the chatter is not to have another James Bond, but to just, again, move on with our lives because... What does what Nomi say in the trailer? The world has moved on, Mr. Bond, or something like that? Maybe it's time that we do the same, and maybe this movie will do exactly that. Now, before it got taken down off of YouTube, we did get to see a peek at the Boys Season 2 trailer from Amazon Prime Video. That was released at CCXP in Brazil. We'll be seeing that in 2020, but we don't know exactly when in 2020. And what we get to see at the beginning of the trailer, actually, is a very bloodied and battered Homelander just kind of coming down to earth. Now, we don't know who he's looking at, but he doesn't look very happy. He looks pretty sad, actually. And it seems like right after that, the trailer kicks into high gear of just balls to the walls, just crazy, you know, you've got blood everywhere and, you know, people's what what looks like a, a head being ripped in half from the from both ends of its mouth. And it was just crazy. And you've got... Homelander sticking his tongue in a bottle of what we can only assume is is formula or breast milk or something like that. Super, super creepy. You've got, you know, Butcher enjoying several beverages. I do believe we finally get to see Terror. We were I was disappointed. That was the only disappointment I had in season one of the boys that we didn't get to see Terror. So Butcher's dog is finally, it looks like, going to be a part of season two. We get to see, actually, I think there was a scene where if you look really close, it's Homelander going after going after Starlight, which is crazy to me. So, Homelander, probably the best villain we've gotten in a comic book show in a long time. And I don't think that... I, I'm not sure I'd get a whole lot of pushback if I said that The Boys was the best comic book series in 2019 on TV of any kind, whether it be streaming or terrestrial TV. I don't think that that's a, a stretch for me to say at all. And all our familiar characters back, it looks like we're going to see the, the, the female kicking ass a little bit more in this season because we didn't really see much of her until later on in season one. I'm looking forward to them exploring that character a little bit more and just seeing how things are now between Butcher and between between Butcher and Huey and where that relationship's going to go and, and how does Butcher kind of exit from the cliffhanger of season one because obviously he does and there's a lot of bullets flying a lot of action and it looks like the deep might be going off the deep end in this season as well just can't wait to see what they've got in store for season two of the boys but if we're talking about off the rail shows you got to be talking about dc's legends of tomorrow who released their season five trailer also this week and again first of all you've got Brandon Routh's Ray Palmer in this like pseudo was Mr. Rogers neighborhood kind of character. And then and then that's when everything you, you start to see all the events in history. I think when we saw Genghis Khan on a scooter, I think the puppets were there. It seems like they were teasing Bebo again at one point. So and now we know that uh, that, that Nate has got some more powers now. He's actually got some 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 powers. So. It'll be interesting to see how that gets dealt with and how the team deals with him now and how the team just in general gets along anyway. But I just can't wait to see how they not only save but screw up the timeline and the future and all this other stuff because that's just what they that's just what the legends are. The show's embraced this goofball image 
where things just sort of go wrong for them and they suck at their jobs, but we love them anyway. And they end up at the end of the day, they end up saving the day and they and they just work so well together and they're so likable that you can't help but love them and you can't help but watch. And I don't expect anything less for this upcoming fifth season. I know that it's going to start out pretty intense with the final chapter of DC of uh, Crisis on Infinite Earths. It's going to be on January the 14th. So the real premiere for season five will be on January the 21st, even though, come on, I mean, you want to say that you started off your season with Crisis on Infinite Earths if you're Legends of Tomorrow. So I wouldn't blame them for saying that at all. So finding out how that's going to roll out, round out, is going to be pretty interesting. But I'm just looking forward to this because this is one of those shows where it's like, it's like the break. It's like the show where... You know, you're you're going outside the box a little bit. You want you feel like something different. DC's Legends of Tomorrow has filled that role very nicely in the Arrowverse. So I'll be happy to see that come back. That was pretty much all the trailers that we got this week. All the really important ones anyway. And we thought we might get a lock and key trailer from Netflix, but that did not happen. We did get a premiere date, and this was announced by Deadline Lock and Key, finally going to be premiering on Netflix on, on excuse me, February the 7th. Now, this is a show that's gone through a lot. It's gone through some network changes and casting changes, and it seemed like the way things were moving, it seemed like this show was never going to be made. And then the Joe Hill, Gabriel Rodriguez story finally ended up at Netflix, and it's finally going to happen. They've released posters, a motion poster, and everything. We do have the synopsis, too, as a matter of fact. And, and and I'll read I'll go ahead and read it to you. After their father's murder and under mysterious circumstances, the three Locke siblings and their mother move into their ancestral home key house, which they discover is full of magic keys that may be connected to their father's death. As the Locke children explore the different keys and their unique powers, a mysterious demon awakens and will stop at nothing to steal them. Yeah, that's exactly the kind of show that I want to see. And this is one that I've been waiting to be adapted for a long, long time. I just feel like Netflix is probably a really good home for it. Again, it's they seem to be doing justice to their comic book adaptations lately. So I have every confidence that they'll be able to do that. And, of course, we've got familiar names from IDW that are attached to the project as well. Not just Joe Hill, but we've got Chris Ryall. We've got Ted Adams, guys that were there during the heyday of Lock and Key on the comic side. I know they're going to take care, good care of this. There's a lot of other very talented producers and writers on this as well. But those are the names that I look at and go, okay, we can do this right because these guys are in the room. I trust these guys. They will make sure that this is a good show. They will make sure that they are well represented on this show by Netflix. So I can't wait for this. I've got every confidence in the world that this one is going to work out. Here's something I have zero confidence in. And that's Marvel TV, especially after what's been going on. And this, all of this has been happening after Kevin Feige was announced as the new, basically, chief controlling creative officer, whatever you want to call him, of all of, basically, Marvel Entertainment, including comics, television, everything. It's happening again. The Hollywood Reporter broke the story that Marvel's Tigra and Dazzler, which is one of those adult animated series that was going to be coming to Hulu, has fired not only showrunner Erica Renovja, Renovja, and I'm sorry I butchered your name, Erica, I apologize for that, but also dismissed the entire writing staff 
for the show because of guess what? Yep, you guessed it. Didn't even need to give you any time. Creative differences. That's just the blanket answer for we don't want to tell you the real answer, by the way. And, and according to this report, they had multiple scripts done. They're almost completely through the production cycle. And everything seemed like, it, you know, it was just, it was going to be done. It was going to be good. Everything was on the right track until it wasn't. And what's interesting, though, is, is that the report also seems to suggest that Chelsea Handler, who was also getting producer credits and was going to be the voice of one of the characters on the show, is still attached to the project despite these creative differences. So I, I don't know that this, this seems like another one of those times where it's like, okay, is this show actually going to happen it's one. It's also the that while they failed to comment, it seems like they've there are any and all indications are that they remain committed to the project. But it's just again, it's another example of are we just gonna drop a grenade in a pile of all the projects that were involved in the Jeff Loeb era and pull the pin on and blow it up so Feige can come in and just have everything under his umbrella. I don't understand. And I'm not blaming Kevin Feige for this, by the way. I'm not like, I'm not saying he's going through this pile and saying, I didn't do that. Get rid of it. I'm absolutely not saying that at all. I'm just saying that's what it looks like. It's almost like Marvel's decided, well, we couldn't make good TV before Kevin Feige got here. Kevin Feige makes great movies. So let's just start from scratch and let him do everything, and let's get of everything, get rid of everything he didn't approve because obviously he didn't do it. And if the previous regime regime wasn't getting the job done, these must suck. So let's get rid of them all. That's what it looks like. I'm sorry, that's just what it looks like. And I'm quite frankly, I think that Jeff Loeb did a pretty darn good job, especially especially with the hand that he was dealt with a lot of difficulties working with Marvel Studios and trying to. Every time they made a movie, things had to change because they wanted to make sure things were connected and all of the stuff. Now, there were some stinkers in that, too. I mean, you've got Inhumans that you can throw into that list. And, I mean, certainly Iron Fist, if you want to go the Netflix route, wasn't the greatest in the world. So Marvel TV certainly had some misses. And, you know, there are plenty of ups and downs for Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. as well. But by and large, Marvel TV, and I'll say this one more time, did pretty well under Jeff Loeb, and while they were still getting their butts handed to them by DC on the television side, they were still doing pretty well. And, and we can't just automatically assume that just because Kevin Feige is con- in control of the TV side now that they're just going to start popping out gems here either. This, this is not, there are no guarantees here for this, for this just all of a sudden going to be fine. So we, we also need to keep that in mind as well. And I'm not saying that Tiger and Dazzler was going to be a great series, animated or not, and that it was going to be, you know, exactly the kind of thing that we're looking for as far as adult, adult animation on Hulu. Not saying it would have been good. I'm not even saying they made the wrong call here because I didn't. I haven't seen any of the scripts. I haven't seen a, a, a single second of any produced material. So we don't know whether it would be good, don't know whether whether it would be bad. What I'm saying is the optics here make it seem like if something was planned before Feige got involved, it's going to be out of the plan sooner rather than later. As a matter of fact, we're one more announcement away from this thing going nuclear, and you might as well just admit that that's what you're doing. So I'm really keeping my eye on these other shows like MODOK and things like that and to see exactly what's going to happen with them because I'm not sure that some of these will see the light of day, but only time will tell. 
That's going to do it for Nerd News. Up next, going to be talking about Call of Duty Modern Warfare with Chad Michael Collins, who plays Alex. He's next on the Down and Nerdy Podcast. Hi, this is Sean Sipos from Krypton, and you're listening to the Down and Nerdy Podcast. Pretty sure that Call of Duty Modern Warfare was part of your holiday shopping plans for somebody at some point, but now it's time to dial up Echo 3-1, talking to the voice of Alex himself this week. You might remember this name from from the show, Chad Michael Collins. Chad, what's up, buddy? Hey, James. Hey, down and nerdy friends. How is everyone? We're doing good, man. Just happy to be talking to you again. As a matter of fact, the game's been out now for a little over a month. What's the fan response been like for you so far? I gotta be honest. It's It's been overwhelmingly positive and wonderful and lovely. It's It's been cool since, you know, the game dropped and people were pulling all-nighters on its release. The fans have reached out endlessly about my character, Alex, a.k.a. Echo 3-1, um, how they love playing as him, how they loved his story, how they you know, loved his ending, which I don't want to give any spoilers to those who haven't played, but it's kind of a very heroic ending that he has in the, in the campaign. So I've seen costumes, I've seen cosplay, I've, I've seen fan edits of Alex, so... It's been really, really wonderful to see everybody really embrace the character and, and really get attached to him and, and respond the way that they have. You know, it's interesting. It's been, I think, a little around two years since you've been on the show last, actually. And, and the last time we talked, if I remember correctly, I asked you if you'd like to do motion capture work for games and stuff like that. Now that's finally come to pass in a big way. So I got to ask, did you reach out to your former Extinct co-star Victoria Atkin for any advice or any tips or anything? Yeah, me and Victoria are still great friends to this day, and obviously she's been doing the, the video game stuff for a long time, Assassin's Creed and a bunch of other games as well. But, um, yeah, I, I've always stayed in touch with her, and now she's got a successful kind of voiceover actor mocap class and podcast and everything else. Uh, but, yeah, this thing came completely independently, and it was just really kind of fun to share these stories when I would catch up with her and, and everything else. But yeah, I, of course, I leaned on her for a little bit of advice, and she was really, really always gracious with uh, telling me kind of what to expect and how to you know kind of play this in the back end when the game drops and everything. So it was nice to kind of join her in the, the immortal ranks of uh, video game heroes. Definitely, man, definitely. Now, you were talking about Alex a little bit and his character. I th- I feel like he has a lot more depth and skills than your typical first-person shooter character. So would you agree with that? And how refreshing was that for you? Yeah, you know, the cool thing about anybody who's played it, um, you know, Modern Warfare, it's a really gritty, deep, um, sometimes very controversial game. And it allowed the actors to really breathe a lot of creative life into these characters. You know, it felt a lot like making a movie. You know, the characters all had arcs. They all took incredible, crazy journeys. They all had harrowing experiences. So the game was really fun for us as actors because it really felt like we were, we were signing up for some, some high-level, high-drama stuff that we would see normally in TV and film. So that was a really fun ride to, to really be able to layer our characters and kind of throw our acting chops into the equation as much as we could. So you know, the game itself, you know, the story is, is, is crazy. You know, it takes a really unabashed look at what warfare can look like in the modern world, hence the title. So, you know, we go places. We deal with terrorists. We deal with defying orders. We deal with, you know, superpowers having proxy wars and and the plight of freedom fighters. So it's a really deep, rich story, you know, for anybody who 
is going to go watch, uh, you know, uh, uh, Zero Dark Thirty or a Lone Survivor. You know, I feel like the story we told is on par with those big budget, you know, studio military action blockbusters. Now, Chad, you're certainly no stranger to playing a soldier, of course, Brandon Beckett and other characters that you've had across your career. But I saw that you had a couple of ex-Navy SEALs as military advisors for this one. How invaluable was that experience? Yeah, those guys were awesome. We had um, their their name, uh, Mitch and Steve, and we got a day with them before we were cameras rolling. And they were also on set every single day, making sure that we you know, were clearing corners properly, holding guns tactically, um, just kind of teasing out what we would do in these certain situations. So it's always a pleasure to work with military advisors uh, because they've lived it, you know, and, and you want to get this right. So many current and former military play these games. They watch those sniper movies. So you want to do it as much justice as you can. But they were super cool and incredibly knowledgeable and obviously experienced in ways that they probably can't even talk about. So it was, it was a real gift to have them all day, every day. And I think it lent a, a great deal of authenticity to, to the role, obviously. Talking to Chad Michael Collins, the voice of Alex on Call of Duty Modern Warfare, which you can get now on your favorite console. Big season one update that actually just happened to, but we'll get into that. Now, Chad, you're a lucky dude because yet again you are able to work with an amazing female co-star. How gr- great was it working with Cla- Claudia DeMitt? And what was your favorite thing about the dynamic between Alex and Farah? Yeah, I, I mean, you nailed it. Claudia Dumit, for anyone who's not familiar with her, go look her up, follow her. She's done amazing work her whole career, timeless, and, and now she's going to be on season two of The Boys. Uh, she was awesome. You know, Farah and Alex in the game were thick as thieves. Alex goes and he embeds himself with her and her freedom fighters, and they take this incredible journey together. So me and Claudia worked every day I was on set, it was with her. And that's basically where our storyline, you know, converges and then goes on. So she was wonderful. She's, she's got such a great attitude. She's so fun. We had the best time. And uh, I think we just shot some amazing scenes. There was, you know, I got a lot of fan response. There's a scene at the end where our best laid plans go awry, as they often do, in the thick of things. And Alex basically volunteers to go and take care of business with a very slim possibility that he will make it out alive. And we shot this really beautiful scene where, you know, I basically make her give me an order to go because I look at her as my superior commander, as the person I believe in the most. And that scene just resonated. That was a scene that gave me the feels when I watched it. And so many fans were generous. They said when Alex had that scene and he ran off, I cried. It was really, really great, and all credit to Claudia. She's just an amazing actor all around. That is definitely one of the most talked about scenes, and it's a great one if you guys haven't gotten there yet. But your character, Chad, is also, I think, the most talked about character in this entire game. And this might might be a little bit of a spoiler, so I'll give a little bit of a warning here for anyone who hasn't finished the campaign yet. So, that being said, there seems to be some fan theories floating around out there, Chad, and I want to ask you about it that Alex is actually a ghost in this new version of Modern Warfare. You heard those theories, and what do you think about it? <laughs> yeah, you're, um, you're putting it mildly, man. I've been shocked and surprised. All these videos from these high-level streamers, all these professional leakers, you know, dropping information everywhere. They've got videos with millions of views basically speculating that Alex is this ghost character or will become this ghost character. Um, <laughs> I'll just say from my end, I've been on a need to know basis on this entire project for a year and a half. I mean, we were on the first day of filming 
and no one had yet even confirmed that it was Call of Duty Modern Warfare. So that shows you how little we know about anything, big picture or small. And so if I was going to become Ghost or was Ghost, I don't know. I'm Trust me, I'm the last guy to know and, and that they would trust with that information. But it has been cool. I think it's I just think it shows you how much our game resonated. And for those uh, listening that don't know, uh, Ghost was a really cool kind of Snake Eyes type character that played in the original Modern Warfare trilogy and, and uh, was very beloved up there with Captain Price and Soap and a lot of the other famous characters from the original games. But, um, you know, our game was kind of a soft reboot. You know, you got to meet Captain Price and he was reinvented and played masterfully by Barry Paul Sloan. And, you know, it was revealed that uh, Elliot Knight, his character, Sergeant Kyle Garrick, was revealed to be, his name's Gaz. Gaz is a throwback to the original trilogy. So there was a bunch of nods and tie-ins to the original in this reboot. So, I mean, is it possible that Alex does this and becomes this character? I have no idea. I, I suppose it is. People are making some really good, strong points. And, um, you know, maybe that's a happy accident. or Maybe it's all by design by the... Uh, Activision overlords, I have no idea, but it's been a lot of fun to watch people speculate. No, I'm sure you wouldn't say no, Chad, and we wouldn't blame you for that. <laughs> I would not say no. I had such a great experience on this game. I'd be happy to come back in any capacity to do it all over again. You know, it's funny. When, when you talk about Call of Duty, there, there are certain games, I feel like, where they have that ga- that stigma where you could say, you know, quote-unquote, same old. You know, I, th- I feel like, you know, like Madden games are, are like that. You know, it's, it's hard to make these games different but it feels like call of duty modern warfare is not that you know for lack of a better term same old call of duty did it feel like that to you when you guys were on set because it just seems like with every little thing that comes out with this game it just makes it feel like a huge refreshing moment for the franchise i think so and you know call of duty modern warfare 3 dropped i think in in um, like 2011 and i think it sold like 30 million copies worldwide huge success and but that was you know that was eight nine years ago so a lot has changed, especially with the technology in the video game world, how much it's exponentially gotten more specific, more detailed. And I think you really saw that with our game and why you see the fans getting drawn in. It is so lifelike because I think even in the old iterations of Modern Warfare, you know, it's typically stunt actors and then a voiceover actor would come in, in the booth and, and breathe that life into a character. It was all us. Like we were performance capture, motion capture, face capture, full voice, everything all happening at once. And I think the, the way the technology has gotten so much bigger and better and it's become so realistic, you know, those, those, those micro expressions that they capture that really needed actors to come in and breathe that, that very detailed life into all these characters. So I feel like our game feels bigger and better and more real and more epic in ways that they, you know, maybe just couldn't do nine years ago because the technology wasn't there. So I, I agree with you. I, I feel like it, it's, you know, and a lot of critics have been kind, fans have been kind of saying that it's the best campaign they've ever played, the best campaign in 10 years. So, you know, the proof's in the pudding, and, and I'm glad the response has been what it is. But, um, yeah, I hope it just launches a thousand more ships, so to speak, or, uh, you know, a billion more units, I suppose, in video game terms. Definitely, man. Now, another name that fans might recognize that was one of your co-stars in this game is LaMonica Garrett, and that is the guy that's going to be playing the Monitor and Anti-Monitor coming up in the Crisis on Infinite Earths Arrowverse crossover this week. So now, Chad, I know you're a comic book guy. Did you kind of try to, did you get a chance to grill him for any information, and how exciting would it be to actually be a part of that story? You know, it's funny. I worked a couple days with LaMonica on the video game, and 
uh, I'm sure he was NBA protected and everything else, stepping into such a great, you know, pivotal role in that DC universe. But we shot an amazing scene because me and him kind of saddle up for a very specific mission in the game itself. So he came and played. I think it was Sergeant Griggs on the game, and uh, it was one actually one of my favorite missions in in the single player campaign. But I didn't know he was doing all that sort of stuff on the side. And I don't think he could say anything. I literally ran into him a month or two later after filming at a party down at San Diego Comic-Con. And, you know, he was at like the Warner Brothers party. So we started putting two to two and together. And it was then that he kind of like teased and revealed that he was stepping into this huge role. I couldn't be more happy for him. He's, he's a really great guy and a hell of an actor. So I look forward to watching him play the monitor wreaking havoc on all our heroes there. Now, let's go on to the other side of this a little bit, because you've expressed interest in the past in playing Moon Knight at some point, and now the character's actually getting the Disney Plus treatment, so if you got a chance to make that a reality, because, I mean, let's face it, nobody's been cast yet, what kind of Moon Knight show would you like to see? Honestly, Andy, I think Moon Knight is such a great character. He's, he's kind of bizarre, the journey that this guy's taken since the 70s and been, re- been reimagined in so many ways, but... You know, I always I've, I've figured, you know, you got Avengers, you've got these huge blockbuster films. You know, Captain America has been done so perfectly and Thor is, is just brilliant. And, you know, all these big A-listers are stepping into these huge roles. I was like, well, who's a really obscure character off to the side that would be kind of really fun to play that maybe I would have a chance at, you know, not being Chris Pratt. So, and Moon Knight always came, came, came to mind because I always loved that character. He's kind of a B character throughout his entire, you know, Marvel Universe run. And, uh, yeah, sure enough, Disney Plus, it's, it's part of their new slate. So I'm sure they are auditioning thousands of actors from all around the world. Uh, I haven't got the call yet, so <laughs> I don't know if that's going to materialize. But luckily, there's thousands of characters that I'm sure will, will make appearances in all these endless Marvel movies and shows. So hopefully one day I get to strap on some kind of costume. We're going to put that out there on social media. We're going to try to make that happen. But one thing that we know has absolutely already happened is that Alex is killing it in Call of Duty Modern Warfare, which is now available on your favorite consoles. Get all the information you need online because it's everywhere. Major Season 1 upgrade just dropped as well with a bunch of new content that you can enjoy. And hopefully we'll see more from this guy as well. It's Chad Michael Collins. Chad, thanks for coming back on the show, man. Always a pleasure. Thanks for having me, and and hopefully we we do it all again with something fun and new. Maybe that's something that involves a costume. There really was something that felt different about Call of Duty Modern Warfare this time around, and it felt like it was a real breath of fresh air, like I said, in the Call of Duty franchise. One of those things that makes you go, wow, see, that's what I love about Call of Duty. And it's also different, like the story mode, with the in-depth, like you heard Chad talk about it. It was just really in-deep, like cinematic type story and that is what you're going to get with call of duty modern warfare if you don't have it already it is available right now on your favorite consoles also makes a great gift for the holidays too by the way just saying so again thanks to chad michael collins for coming on this week to talk about alex and the call of duty modern warfare and you know maybe teasing ahead him playing moon knight on disney plus just saying disney just saying marvel studios just something to consider. You should all cons- also consider signing up for Audible right now. Get your first three months for six ninety five a month for a limited time. Go to audible.com slash dnpod or text dnpod to 500-500. That also gives you a free audio book and two, two free Audible originals as well. So support the sponsor this week. If you want more from us, 
Go to downandnerdypodcast.com and also follow along on social media, facebook.com slash downandnerdy, at downandnerdy757 on Twitter and on Instagram. Remember, you never have to apologize for being a nerd, so let your fan flag fly and be good to your fellow nerds.